tithe in the storehouse that uh, test me in this, see if I don't pour open the blessings from heaven. And so it was fun to pray for each of you that God would just open the storehouse. And we know that blessing is not just material things. It's the favor of God. It's the tangible and intangible. And so it was fun to pray for you. And so just want to give you a word of encouragement uh, for just your faithfulness and what, what you did last week. Well, the year was 1851. A guy by the name of James Roebling had a vision, had a dream. His dream was something that most of the accomplished engineers and architects of his day thought was, they just thought that he was out of his mind to even dream this dream. In 1851, James Roebling began the unthinkable, and that was to build a suspension bridge across the Niagara River Gorge. The Niagara River Gorge, of course, is just upstream from the Niagara Fall, from Niagara Falls. And James Roebling had a dream of spanning that 825-foot chasm. That 200 feet, uh, is 200 feet, uh, t- the depth of that, that uh, chasm was 200 feet. 37.5 million gallons of water per minute pour through that gorge. And James Roebling has the audacity to dream a dream in 1851 that a bridge could be built. A bridge that held not only pedestrians and carriages, because there were no cars in those days, but a dream of a bridge that would even carry trains back and forth across that bridge. James Roebling's dream had a lot of, had a lot of obstacles In a day when suspension bridges had more stories of tragedies than successes, the people of James Roebling's day were putting their money on the gorge and not on the bridge. This morning I want to begin over the next few weeks talking to you about building bridges, about dreaming dreams together, about a vision of what we could do, about bridges that we could build together as First Church. Roebling, in a sense, was a man of faith. Roebling believed that there were fixed laws that govern our universe. And if great chasms refused to be bridged, it was not the fault of the bridge. It was the fault of the engineer. And so this morning, as we think about building bridges, we have a vision that God has given us. A vision, if you, again, if you look on the front of that, that uh, worship folder as you came in, the front of that worship folder, and you see it on, on the screens, our vision is building bridges, transforming lives. That phrase defines for us why we exist. There are three bridges that we want to build that, are, that fall under that larger category of building bridges, transforming lives. We are seeking to build bridges to Christ, seeking to build bridges to one another, seeking to build bridges to our world. And so this morning we're going to start by talking about what it would look like for us as a church to build bridges to Christ. Now in the same way that James Roebling had people, had obstacles that were in his way that were keeping him from realizing that dream, we have obstacles that also keep us from having that dream of building that bridge. James Roebling 
had distance and and uh, and and he had naysayers and had had the the elements and those things. We have the distance between us and those that are far from God. We have this gap between us. They people that are far from God at times think things about us that keep us from being able to reach them. We have the the raging torrent of the river of our culture that separates us from our world and keeps us from being able to build these bridges to Christ. And we also at times have naysayers that say, well, you shouldn't do it that way or you should do it this way or if you're doing it, you know, there's always those. In any great project, there's always the naysayers. This morning again, I want us to explore together what would it look like for us to build bridges to Christ as a body. There's a great story in the, in the New Testament in Acts 2. In Acts 2, Jesus has died. He's resurrected from the dead. He's, he's gone up to heaven. In Acts 2, we have the story of a wonderful day in the life of the church, a vision-casting day in the life of the church. And in Acts 2, it's called the day of Pentecost. It's a day that Jesus told him. He said, you need to wait and you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's going to be power that's going to come on you and you're going to be my witnesses. And, and so they've been waiting and praying for that day. And Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, we have that day being realized. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity coming in, 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 in all of his force and power in that what was called the upper room where they, these followers of Jesus had gathered waiting for this to happen. And we have Peter then, one of those that was gathered there, who stands to his feet and begins to preach and share the wonderful story of Jesus Christ. And as Peter stands to his feet and he, as he articulates the story of Jesus, he, he refers back to something that happened hundreds of years before when the prophet Joel said that there would be a day, and on that day, it would happen at some point in the future, it will be a day, he says, in the last days. When I will pour out my spirit, God speaking through the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on this day, that prophetic word was being realized in their hearing. And I would say to us today that that same prophetic word where Joel says, in the last days, your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will have visions. That just like on the day of Pentecost, that prophetic word was becoming reality. I would say to us, as we gather in this place, that that same type thing is happening at First Church. That God is putting dreams and visions of what could be in the hearts of his people. And the vision is for us to build bridges, transforming lives. The bridge, the vision is for us to build bridges to our world. And so let's listen to the end of that sermon in Acts 2. We're going to start with verse 36. And we see uh, Peter kind of wrapping up this sermon where he's been talking about Jesus. And this is what, the, I'll be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replies, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and listen, supplies to us, and for all of you 
who are far off. Term doesn't necessarily mean physically or, or, or um, in, uh, in space, but he's also talking about in time. Those of you who are far off, it's us. For all whom the, the Lord, who, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And every one of them was filled with awe, with many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling the possessions and goods they gave to everyone as they had need. And every day they continued to meet together together in the, together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being being saved. And so with this passage, we see a glimpse, we have a vision of what it looks like when the church builds bridges intentionally to Christ. We see them building bridges to Christ, building bridges to Christ that people that were not yet followers of his were able to walk across. We see in verse 41 that as Peter articulates the message of the gospel and they say, well, what do we need to do about it? Then in verse 41, he tells them, or they, in the verse right before, he tells them what they need to do. And in verse 41, it says that thousands came to Christ. Thousands, as they built that bridge, as they laid that foundation, thousands of people walked across that bridge that day. It goes on to say in verse 47, at the end of that passage, that as they worked together, as they, they did church and life together as the church, in describing what happened in subsequent days, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we see in intentional ways the church was building bridges to Christ. Not just to people that were outside of the faith and outside of a relationship with Christ, but we also see that they were building bridges to Christ so that people within the church could celebrate him and could worship him. If you look at verse 42 and verse 46... In those verses, we see that they were meeting together, that they were fellowshipping together, that they were worshiping together. The scripture says that they were praising God together. So there are these two pieces to this bridge. People that are far from God, that have the opportunity to come to Christ, and then people like us that gather in places like this. They were doing the same thing, and they were worshiping Christ. And again, the church was intentionally giving opportunity for people to build bridges to Christ and connect with Christ. We ask ourselves the question, as we think about this exciting day in the life of the church in Acts, is this not also an equally exciting day in the life of our church? When we begin to think about what could be here at First Church, does that get us excited about our future together? about what could be, about what it would look like if we began to build bridges to Christ and about what that would look like. Well, in order for us to kind of explore this, I think it's important for us to ask the question, well, why? Why should we, as First Church, why should we build bridges to Christ? 
Why should we do that? Well, I was Yesterday, my son had a couple of soccer games, and we're getting ready to walk out the door. Uh, Crystal's sick at home, and so I'm uh, taking the boys everywhere. And so uh, it's dad uh, with my oldest son, and he's going to play a soccer game. And it's an indoor soccer game, but obviously we've got to get there. And it's a little warmer than today, but still pretty chilly, especially from Ohio standards. Uh, and he, he comes, and he's, we're getting ready to go. He's got his bag, and he's got shorts on and a T-shirt. Said, well, you need to put your some pants on and your sweats on and a coat. And he says, why? I said, because it's cold outside. And he says, well, why? And he says to me, I don't understand why I need to wear the coat and the pants. You may sit here today and it may, some of you may, may totally get it, but we need to just go over it one more time, just like I need to go over it with him one more time, why you need to wear pants and a jacket, okay? Um, because we don't live in Kansas anymore, Toto. This is Michigan. <laughs> and it's cold. Um, anyway, I won't tell you the rest of the story. You can ask Caleb what happened as a result of the conversation. But why do we need to build bridges to Christ? We need to build bridges to Christ because we see it first modeled in Scripture. We see the church on mission here in Acts. And we see not just here in this second chapter, but we see it through this entire book of Acts. And this book of Acts is all about what was going on in the New Testament church. And we see them intentionally trying to reach their culture, planting churches and expanding the kingdom, expanding the church, always thinking about how to reach someone else for Christ. So why should we build bridges to Christ? We should build bridges to Christ because we see it modeled for us in Scripture. They were on mission they understood that why they existed was to, was to tell people about the Savior has come. To tell people about the difference that Jesus Christ had made in their lives. And they were passionate about that. We think about, we think about what we do here. One of the things that we look at and we see how we do church. What we see, which is which is exciting, is the same building blocks that we see that they were using to build bridges to Christ in the book of Acts, we see right here. Peter, what did he do on that day of Pentecost? Peter stood up and he passionately proclaimed the timeless message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to be, repent and be baptized. That's what we do here. I'm thankful for a church that believes that this book and the, and the stories and the, the examples and the truth that are in it are truths that change lives. And you believe in the power of the word. So, like the New Testament church, we preach the timeless message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like Peter did. Like Peter did. He called on them. Those of you who confess Christ as Lord, then you need to be baptized in a couple weeks. You have an opportunity to be baptized. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, let me encourage you, as Peter did to them, if you've never been baptized, you need to do that. It's, it's, as a follower of Christ, it's an awesome experience. You're saying to your world, hey, I've made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you to do that. And so we have these elements like we see in the New Testament church today, we're going to take communion at the end of this service. And it's, the scripture says that they broke bread together, that they took communion together. So they were doing those things and we, we pray together, we worship God together in this place. Like they were doing all of these elements they had in place 
And one of the things that we need to make sure it all is always in place here at First Church is that we are intentionally building bridges like they were to people so that they can come to Christ. Because Jesus Christ makes a difference in people's lives. It's imperative that we build bridges to Christ. Because one, we see it modeled in Scripture. Two, we see it commanded in Scripture. Jesus told his followers in what was, has been coined the Great Commission. He says in Matthew 28 verse 19, to go and make disciples, baptizing them. Go into all the world and make disciples. They were told, we were told to go. Jesus in Matthew 4 says to his followers, he said, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. In Acts 1.8, that last thing, well, some of the last words that he spoke to his followers, that's words to us in Acts 1.8. He says to them, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, even in Michigan. He meant you will be my witnesses. And so we have been commanded, he said, to go. We've been told we're going to be fishers of men. We have been told to go. You will be my witnesses in your world. And we look throughout the pages of Scripture and we see the heart of God is a heart for people. God loves people. He loves people so much that he sent his one and only son into this world so that we could have life. He loves this world. And he has mandated that the church be in the business of building bridges to Christ. And so we need to think about what are creative ways that, creative ways that we can do that both here in this community and around the world. And that's why we take trips to Uganda or Paraguay so that we can be about the business that God told us to be about. And that's to the ends of the earth, helping to build bridges to Christ so why do we do it? Why do we do it in a culture, in an age, when we have so many that say that it's not politically correct to try to push your Jesus off on the world? It's not politically correct to try to share the gospel. Now, it's fine if people want to join you. It's fine if they want to come and be a part of you, and you can talk about Jesus all you want within the hallowed walls of your churches, but just don't try to take him outside of the walls. And friends, as far as it depends on me as your pastor, this will be a place that we obey God rather than men when we always have a heart and a passion to reach people that are far from God. Why? Why? Because this is not the country club. Because it's not a place where we come and, and being a part of the club is all about, you know, I paid my membership dues and so it's all about me and it's all about what I want and it's all internally focused and this is not a country club. It's not supposed to be internally focused. It's supposed to be focused like Jesus told us to be focused outside of the walls of this place. That it's not about us. That it's about Jesus Christ left us in this world for a reason. And he left this hope that, with us so that we could take this hope to our world. And so, if we must be politically incorrect, we will be politically incorrect. And we will love people like Jesus told us to love people. We're not going to be abrasive and we're going to beat people over the head. And we're not yelling and screaming and telling people they're going to go to 
sin, hell, damnation, all that kind of stuff. We're saying, there is a Savior that loves you. Let me tell you about the hope that I found in Jesus Christ. And so why? Why should we do it? We should do it because we've been told to do it. Because we've been commanded. And we must be a place that exists to build bridges to Christ. If you notice, there wasn't a single commercial in the prime opportunity. If God wanted to, the prime opportunity for him to share the gospel was during the Super Bowl. He could have bought any number of television commercials. They were only a couple million dollars a minute or 30 seconds. God has that much. Notice he didn't buy a single commercial. When's the last time you saw God write in the sky? When's the last time that God text messaged someone that was far from him? They should come and come to know about his son, Jesus Christ. God doesn't do any of those things. Instead, oddly enough, he left us here to do it for him. And it's the reason that the church exists. Why should we build bridges to Christ? Because he told us to do it. Why should we build bridges to Christ? Finally, because Jesus Christ, friends, is the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. Our world is in desperate need. Our world is filled with brokenness and darkness and sin and addictions and fear and heartbreak and, and, and loss and dysfunction, dysfunction. And we could go on and on about all of the things that, that plague our society. And we know Jesus. He is the answer. He is the answer. He is where people can go to find grace and hope and freedom and, and, and <laughs> wholeness. And because we know that, If I have, as been said before, if I have the cure to a disease people that I love have and I don't share it with them, where's my compassion? Why should we share? Why should we build bridges to Christ? We should build bridges to Christ because Jesus Christ is the answer for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son into the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Why should we build bridges to Christ. We should build bridges to Christ because Jesus Christ is the answer. The answer is not false religions. The answer is not the acquisition of stuff. The answer is not sin or self-indulgence or power or prestige or anything that the world has to offer. The answer is Jesus Christ. And because Jesus Christ is the answer and because there is no other answer, we must be a people that build bridges to Christ. Let me share a little story. This is a paper from a young lady, a high school student here at First Church. She just started attending, oh, three, four, five months ago. And she wrote this paper. I asked for her permission to share some excerpts from it. She wrote this paper for her fourth hour world literature class. And this is what she writes about her first experience with our church. And she had, she had just started coming again just a few months ago. As I walked into church, I felt a welcoming feeling among the people that greeted us. I felt at home before the service even started, and everyone seemed happy to be there. I never, I've never been to a church where the congregation was thoroughly excited to be there and to hear what the sermon was going to be about. I became, and she's talking about during the service, that I became overcome with emotion and started to cry because I was so moved. 
She talks about how she felt refreshed after she left and how every single sermon seemed to relate to her life and about what was, she was struggling with on a day-to-day basis. She realized that she had become preoccupied with her worldly problems, that she'd been worried about fitting in and about being at the best of everything, about having the best clothes. And she says, I see these things are only worldly possessions and that they don't mean anything when I, won't mean anything when I get to heaven. And she says that one night after the service, she's referring to the youth service, high school service. She had a friend that asked if she was saved and knew that she was going to heaven. She writes that he encouraged me to ask God to come into my life and to thank him for giving his son Jesus to die on the cross so that I might have eternal life and happiness. And she refers to that decision she made. And she says, now I want to spread the word to all of my friends and everyone at school because I want everyone to come to heaven with me. And with the inspiration of First Church of God and the encouragement I received from my boyfriend, I would not be as close to God as I am today. I still would be wandering through life without knowing my purpose and how God wants to work through my life. Why do we exist, friends? We exist to help young high school students find the hope that we know in Jesus Christ. We exist because there are children in grade schools, because there are, there, there are homes that are broken, because there are young adults and, and middle-aged and there are older adults and there are people in nursing homes that need to know the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have been called to build bridges. Why do we exist? To build bridges to Christ. Now, how do we do that? It's one thing to talk shop, to talk theory. Um, it's another thing to actually do it. We can all come to an agreement, I think, today that Jesus is good, and we should talk about him, and we should build bridges to Christ. I was, when we were down in Paraguay, there were, I, I can't speak the language, I could just say a couple little phrases and talk just a, just un poquito, you know, just a little bit, uh, and we all sat around, and there were several of us that said, you know, I, I wish I knew the language. I wish I knew more, uh, you know, how to communicate, and we talked about, you know what, next time I come down, I got a couple years, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn the language. I'm going to get some of those tapes, or some of those CDs, or some of those DVDs, or I'm going to listen to those things on my iPod, or I'm going to take a class, and we all talked about that. You know what, good intentions are wonderful. You know what, I haven't started my class yet. If you went to Paraguay, have you started your class yet? (laughs) One, there's one C I heard out there. You're doing good. (laughs) Got a long way to go, but you're doing good so far. You know, it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to actually do it. Let me talk to you just for the next few minutes about how we can do it together. How can we can be intentional together? The first way that, first strategy that we can build bridges to Christ as first church is through attraction. And by attraction, I mean it's what we do here on Sunday morning. It's what the scripture talks about. When we lift up Jesus, I will draw all men to me. And so when we come to play, a place like this, and when people walk into a service like this, and maybe you're here for the very first time, and I hope you feel very welcome. And I hope that you sense and how we sing and what we do and what we say, that, uh, that we're glad that you're here, and we're excited about the difference that Christ has made in our lives, and we'd love to share him with you. And that's what, we, what it should be when people come into this place. And when we get together, there is an attraction because of who Christ is in us. The women's ministry is a great example of an attractional strategy working to perfection. There are a hundred ladies that are on a waiting list to go to the warm winter evening, is that what it's called? Warm, warm winter's eve, thank you. Uh, 800 or so, I think, ladies that are coming. And, and what's the purpose of that? 
The purpose of that is in a, in a fun, non-threatening way, if you have a friend that's far from God, that you can bring him to this place and you get to laugh together and have some good food together and you'll get to share with them the message of the gospel in a non-threatening, fun way. That's the purpose. That's an attractional kind of strategy. And, and we can have a lot of fun, for Church, in thinking about ways that we can do attractional kind of things. And the way that we can use that to lift up Christ and hopefully draw men to him. So we build bridges to Christ through that model, but it's not our only model. Some churches, that is their only model. It will not be our only model. The other model, first, is attractional. The other model that we want to use is incarnational. There's a theological term that described, that they used to describe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, leaving heaven, coming to earth, living among us, being like us, uh, being tempted like us, and that transition from being there to being in the earth like one of us is called the incarnation of Christ. And the way that we build bridges to Christ, First Church, must be also by incarnational ways. And that is that we become the incarnation of Christ to our world. See, Christ represented God in this world. We represent God. We represent Christ in this world. And so when we live with our neighbors and in our workplace and in our, you know, with our families, that we are Christ in those settings. And that we are loving people and reaching out to people. And we are modeling what it means to, to be loved like God loved us as we love them. And so we share with them. That is the incarnation. And there are ways that we can love our community and we can be Jesus to our community. And there are times that we will need to, again, because Scripture tells us, that there are times that, that as we build bridges, incarnational bridges, as we, uh, as we talk and as we love on people and as we interact with them, that there will be times that, that they will wonder about the hope that we have within us. And when they wonder and when we have opportunity, when God opens a door, there will be times when we will need to verbally articulate the difference that Christ has made in our lives. Why? Because 1 Peter 3, 5, 15 says to us, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. So we need to be ready. So in incarnational ways, as we are living out our faith, and when someone says, you know, why are you like that? I know what's going on in your life. Why, do you, why are you reacting to the situation this way? Well, let me tell you about the hope that I have found. It's not, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to preach a sermon. It's just saying to one person out in the desert looking for the oasis, hey, let me just tell you where I found the water and about how it tastes, how it tastes to me. So when we look back at that story of that young high school student, You'll notice that there was an attractional piece of it where she came and heard the gospel and began to think about things, but then she had a friend that loved her enough that lived Jesus in front of her and loved her enough that when, she, when he saw an open door, he said to her, you know, have you ever made this decision? And so an in, through an in, the incarnation, she came. Now, how will we do that in 08? Real briefly. 
Let's talk practical. Let's move out of the land of talk into the land of do. How can we do that? Well, first, we got a problem. And the problem is space. So how can we be more effective in this attractional opportunities? As, as you're being incarnational, there's going to be people that are going to follow you here uh, because you're making a difference in their lives. So what, how can we be ready? Well, in the spring, we're going to finish this corner of the parking lot, which will increase our parking by 20%, 65 parking spots we can add. We have people that drive by our church because the parking lot looks full. Maybe it's not totally, but it looks full, and they drive by. Uh, we have space issues. Not today. We have, uh, it's a little chilly out. Um, but we, at times, have space issues. A couple of weeks ago, there was a, it, you know, d- people may not know. They come in here, and they see on Sunday morning this bottom level packed. They don't know that there's a balcony if they're here for the first time, necessarily. You know, so there are a lot of weeks. This looks packed down here. There are people that walk away. Last, a couple weeks ago, there was a young lady that walked in, walked into higher ground. It was so packed that she walked, turned back around, walked out, got in her car before anybody could help her to find a place. That's not good enough. We must build bridges to Christ. We must, there are attractional opportunities, incarnational opportunities. We can do better, and so we're going to do better. We're thinking about how, maybe there are ways that when we talk to, the, I think, some of the worship team, how could we maybe reconfigure the stage area up here? Maybe we could, maybe we could put theater seating in instead of the, the pews, which will add about 20% more space for people to sit in this place. Out in the gym, we could take the basketball goals and mount them on the walls and, and have more space for chairs and put the sound system up on the walls. There are things that we can do. We can add services. We can think about, is the vision of reaching people limited to what, to this building? Or can our vision be greater than that? Maybe vision, not just for this location, but more of a vision for Berrien County. And if there's places that maybe we could rent, that we could, we could uh, do some things and have some different off-site locations where we could... Somebody's not maybe going to drive here, but they'll drive to just down the street in Coloma or Buchanan or someplace. What could God do? What could he do through us if we would have a vision and we would listen close? How could he help us to build bridges to Christ in our world? How could we do that? We need to pray. One of the practical things, we need to pray for people that are far from God. Pray that God would put a burden on our heart. And if we sit here today and we... We're thinking that other things are more important than reaching people for Christ in the church. Then we need to pray that God would put a burden on us. That we, there would be nights that we would go to bed and we would be woken up. And God would shake us out of our, 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 our complacency. And that we would see this world as he sees it. And he would wake us up and there would be such a burden that we would have to get up. And pray for people that are far from God that we know. And ask him to help use us to reach them. We want to help you to be able to be incarnational. We want to help you to be able to articulate your faith, not in preachy, uh, difficult ways, but we want to, in God-honoring friendship, this is just doing life, help you to be able to share your faith in natural ways. We're going to do that in this coming year. We want to give you opportunities. And then... This is a great opportunity right here. What we do on Sunday mornings. As we lift up Christ, he said he'd draw people. So when we do that, there's opportunities here. So a few times a year, we're going to do some things on Sunday morning that are intentionally geared to 
where you could bring someone that you've been trying to be incarnational with. You've been trying to be Jesus in their lives and we could partner up and as you invite them to a place like this, then we'll share the truth of the gospel in ways that meet needs that they have and share the wonderful life-changing message of the gospel. And we can partner together. There's one pastor that calls it the invest-invite strategy. You invest in them, invite them, and then he says, I'll share the gospel so we can partner together. And that, would that not be fun? To work together to help to bring people to Christ, to go across that bridge because he's made a difference in our lives. And there are many, many, many people that he would love for us to use to make that same difference. Let me just, I'm done, and let me just say, here are some things how you can put it into practice, how you can help me to build bridges to Christ. And those are serving communion if you want to get ready because uh, I'm going to be done in just a second. First thing that all of us can do is to make building bridges to Christ a priority in your life. So how do you do that? First, you can do that by making worship weekly a priority. It's important that we get together. We see it in the first century church. They got together regularly. You need to get, make getting together regularly, worshiping Christ together with us, make that a priority in your life. Secondly, you need to be intentional about asking God to help you to build an incarnational bridge to people that he's put you in a place of influence in, in your life. Who are those people? And just begin to talk to him about that and begin to pray about opportunities for you to be the incarnation of Christ. Third, look at this church as your partner. And don't think you got to do it alone or you got to go it alone, but as you are being the incarnation of Christ, that this is a place that you could bring them, invite them, and, and we'll partner together. And you bring them and I'll share the gospel. I'd love to do that, to share the gospel with them. And so let's think of ourselves as partners in this strategy. We go back to that story with that young high school student. And what we see is the picture of what first church, the bridges, that, the kind of bridges that we need to build. There was an intentionality. There was an attractional piece to her coming to Christ. And there was also this piece of the incarnation of Christ. We see that she came to church and she heard the gospel and that began to turn the wheels in her and she began to think. And then there was a person in her life that began to share. And so we see that it worked and now she's growing in Christ. Friends, that's why we exist. This morning, we have the chance to take communion together. What a great way to celebrate who Christ is in us. As we take of the bread that represents the body of Christ, as we take of the cup that represents the blood of Christ, celebrate what Christ did for us. And as you take the cup, as you take the bread, think about who God wants to use you to reach, to build a bridge to. James Roebling had to get over a lot of obstacles to get that bridge built. We've got some obstacles, but God wants to use us to build bridges to our community and to our world. Father, as we take communion now, we pray that you would bless these elements. And as we have this time of worship, we pray that you would just put on our hearts the vision, like Roebling had a vision of building something. God, put a vision in our hearts of building bridges to Christ that people can walk across into a relationship with you. We love you, Father. And now, be with us as we remember what your Son did for us. We celebrate Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. As the, our, those that are serving communion, if you would come and serve communion. As you take the, the elements, if you could just, uh, and then at your leisure during this time of worship, you could just go ahead and partake of the elements.
uh, during this time of worship.